Hey everybody, welcome back to Ascend Together, the podcast about the relationship between physical and spiritual health. We're back and we're glad you're with us. Today we're talking to another Medford, Oregon local named Ed War. Ed is an incredible endurance athlete, but I think what you'll see stick out the most is just how deeply spiritual Ed is. We talk about a lot of things, but if I had to pick out one theme from our conversation, it would be uh, the theme of being open to and able to receive guidance and revelation from the Lord. We hope you love our conversation. Ed War, why don't you take a minute and uh, just just give us like a just a brief bio, who you are, what you're doing, where you come from. Okay. Okay. So uh, obviously, my name is uh, Ed War. Currently, live in uh, Medford, Oregon. Uh, we've uh, been here for 13 years. Uh, I'm a dentist by training, um, but I'm currently attending an executive master's in business, business administration program. So, uh, learning a little bit about the business world and how that works. Um, grew up in Utah, uh, sugar house and Draper, um, spent, uh, almost every weekend in the mountains. My dad liked, uh, getting together with his brother and going gold mining. And so, uh, they drag us kids along with them and they'd spend the day in the dirt and we'd spend the day just roaming all over the mountain. So that was a good way to grow up and, uh, ran cross country in high school, um, served a mission in Costa Rica, uh, came home and, uh, broke my ankle in a climbing accident. And, uh, so I didn't run for probably like 24 years. Uh, I ran a couple of times, but it messed my foot up. Uh, I developed what's called a Morton's neuroma and had to have that surgically removed a couple of times. So I just gave up running altogether. Um, and, uh, that's when I started mountain biking a lot. Uh, um, used to race in the Intermountain cup, uh, along the Wasatch front. And uh, then just started doing longer distances and then just really stopped racing altogether. Just realized that uh, I could get up at three in the morning and ride for four hours and be home by 10 and have the whole day to hang out with my kids and my wife. So um, that's really when I kind of dropped out of racing. Um, And then uh, in 2014, my brother mailed me a pair of ultra running shoes and, uh, said I should try them out. And so, uh, they worked great. Uh, I haven't had the foot problems that I used to have as a result of my broken ankle. And, uh, so I've been running, uh, primarily since 2014 and, um, I was counting them up the other day, nothing big, uh, several marathons, several 50 Ks, 50 Ks, the longest distance. Uh, that's not true. Um, I've done 50 mile distance, but just, I, I do it more to have fun, uh, than anything, not to race, just to get out and enjoy being outside. So that, that's a little bit of me. Can you tell us, uh, you went on a mission and what are you, 
otherwise with church? I mean, you have a family. How many kids do you have, Ed? Uh, three daughters, uh, 20, uh, 18, and 14. Uh, and they're fantastic. None of them are physical activity oriented. Uh, they like reading books and painting and uh, archery and digital media. Um, so that's that's kind of funny. Church-wise, Ed, uh, served your mission in Costa Rica. And then what have you been doing in the church um, since? Yeah, so served in a variety of places. Uh, uh, primary, Weeblow's leader, back when we had scout affiliation. Um, uh, emergency preparedness, uh, uh, served in young men's, um, served in, uh, bishoprics, uh, currently serve on, uh, as a hike counselor. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the areas where I've served in the church. And he's being humble, but you were released as bishop not too long yeah, ago. That, that's true. I was released uh, as a bishop in December of 2018. So I served as a bishop for five years. So we can kind of hear, we kind of heard there, I think, where your love for the outdoor activity came from. Um, and I can see from knowing you a little bit, just, just a lot of ambition, I think, to to become a dentist, to do what it takes to do that is ambitious. Um, you talked about some of these distances. I know you've climbed a bunch of mountains too, right? Um, ambitious out there physically. And uh, then recently you feel, I think if I remember right, you feel inclined to sell your practice and move on. Not quite sure where to, but just following that prompting and now you're doing an MBA. I mean, all of that to me speaks of a, of a fair amount of ambition. Do you see a connection for yourself um, between like those physical goals that you set and those things you pursue and some of these career and educational goals and things like that? Do you feel like those intersect in any way? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that I'm probably a lot less methodical, uh, than people think that I am, <laughs> if, it, if that's safe to say, um, yeah, dental school took, uh, took some effort, uh, getting through that, uh, business school really wasn't anything that I aspired to. Um, that's just kind of where, uh, promptings led me. So you mentioned selling my office. I was, I was very content in my business. Um, and, uh, September 10th of 2017, I was, uh, sitting in the Bishop's office, uh, talking with someone and sharing a video with them related to uh, a challenge that they were having and just kind of looking at the wall, uh, as, as they watched the video and, um, the, the best way I have to describe it is kind of like, printed words on the wall, uh, sell your practice. And, uh, my, my knee jerk reaction to that was, no, that's a terrible idea. And, uh, and then it was kind of like bold underline letters, sell your practice. And, uh, so, so that, that was that. And, uh, I came home that night and, uh, told my wife, Joanna, that 
hey, you know, uh, things are going to change a little bit for us uh, and told her about the experience and she said, all right, let's do it. So, uh, so it took, uh, about a year and a half to, to find someone we were comfortable with to buy the office. And, and you all know, uh, James Burnison, um, he's just a terrific guy and, and we're thrilled, uh, that we, uh, met him and his wife, Emily. Shout out uh, to the Burnisons. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're good people. I, I really enjoy Vernison's. Um, that was it. It was just like a one, one time thing that same day you go home and you tell your wife, Hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to change our lives here and sell this practice. And you didn't have, you didn't have a plan at that time. Oh, I'm going to do a MBA a master's in business or anything like that. It was just, boom, I'm going to follow that prompting, be obedient. I have enough faith and your wife was on board. You just did it. Um, basically, yeah, the, the, the prompting for, uh, for the MBA came on December 21st of 2019. Uh, and, and that was, um, I'll, I'll say similar in magnitude, but different in delivery. Uh, so whereas I kind of saw printed words on the wall, um, this, uh, my wife and I were driving home and, uh, the, the, the best word that I have to describe it is I just had this feeling that constrained me uh, to tell Joanna that, uh, hey, I've got to apply to and pursue an MBA at BYU. And uh, it, it was really a, a kind of a weird feeling. Uh, um, and, and that's one of the things I've come to recognize for me personally, is one of the ways that uh, the Holy Ghost communicates with me is um, it, it's clearly not my thinking. It, it's something that I can um, distinguish as external to me, um, not my thoughts at all. So, um, but yeah, back, back, back to you, what you said is, is just that one prompting sitting uh, in the bishop's office. But you should get some backstory on that. So give it to and, us. So 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 a lot of people will say, wow, that must have taken a lot of faith. And personally, I just don't really feel like it required a lot of faith. And probably the big reason is because um so I graduated dental school. Uh, I went to dental school in Kentucky. And both my wife and I grew up in Utah and uh, neither one of us really wanted to go back to Utah uh, as a place to live and work. Um, but it just kind of, by default, that's where we ended up. And, and it was fine. Um, we were there for six years um, and reasons for being there became very clear. Um, it, it wasn't for my career um, or uh second daughter had some health challenges shortly after she was born. And, um, we had the, uh, care at primary children's hospital available to us, um, which was fantastic. Anyway, six years even in Utah, just kind of started feeling like it's time to move on, uh, time to, uh, time to be somewhere different. And, um, 
so I started looking around, looking at different places, um, and came across, uh, an office, um, in Ashland that was looking, uh, for a dentist and, uh, prayed about it. Um, I was headed, uh, with my father-in-law out to, uh, granddaddy lakes. We were, uh, and we were coming down a Canyon just outside of Tabiona. And, uh, I, I remember looking out the window at the pine trees going by and just thinking, I need to go up there. And, uh, so felt confident in going up there Went went, went up to Ashland and checked it out as a great opportunity. Um, and at the end of the visit, the dentist said, so, um, I want someone to buy in 50% from day one, uh, which was fine, except my six years in, in Salt Lake had been terrible professionally and, and we had no money. Um, we had been on the verge of, of bankruptcy. Uh, and, um, so, you know, I, I let him know, I said, Hey, you know, if that, I'm sorry, I wasted your time. Um, I can't do that. And, uh, I went home feeling very angry, uh, at heavenly father, uh, very upset about having wasted, you know, three or four days to, to come up here to Oregon. And, uh, and at that time, you know, a plane fare was, that was a lot of money, uh, because we didn't have any, and, uh, I was just feeling really mad, uh, and frustrated and confused, got home on a Thursday and Friday, the phone rings and I pick up the phone and there's no answer for a minute. And then some guy kind of haltingly says, is Joanna there? And I figured it was a telemarketer and said no and uh, hung up the phone and forgot about it until the following night, Saturday night. And it just popped into my head and I said, hey, Joanna, this weird call came for you yesterday. Does that sound familiar? And uh, she was upset because on the radio, there had been uh, some home builder doing a contest uh, for callers to call in and be contestants to, to win a house. And she figured that that's what it was. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know. So she spent the following Monday on the phone trying to find out uh, if, if, if she was in fact a contestant and, and they said, um, you know, we, we can't tell you, but if you come to the parade, the 24th of July parade, which is a big deal in Utah. Um, if you come to the parade tomorrow morning, we'll be able to, to tell you. So we had, we had a six month old, a four year old and a six year old at the time. So we got them out of bed at 5am and drove, uh, downtown Salt Lake. And, um, they told my wife, no, you're not a contestant, but give us your phone number because someone might not show up. So she gave them her cell phone number. And about an hour later, her phone rang and they said, you know, we'll have you as a contestant because not everybody showed up. So before the parade started, they had, uh, 10 doors lined up in a half circle and all the contestants drew keys out of a bowl. And the idea was that the key that opened the door uh, was the person who won the house. And so, as you can probably guess, Joanna's key opened the door and she won a house. <laughs> Jeez, awesome. And uh, 
you know, I, I, I went home that day and I just said, you know what, Heavenly Father, I understand the parting of the Red Seas now. If, if, if you want to do it, you can make it happen. And I called up uh, the guy up here and I said, hey, I don't have any money, um, but I have an asset. Uh, are, are you okay? And, and that house was what got us up here to Oregon. Wow. And um, um, people will ask how we came to Oregon, and I will tell them the Lord brought us here. The, the um, Lord literally opened the door to get you up here. Yeah. Yes. And um, so when he said, sell your practice, um, uh, you know, the first time I didn't recognize it the second time I recognized that as, as a clear message and um, was happy to happy to do it. That's having never won anything from any contest in my life. That's an amazing story. Um, that's really cool. Actually. Ed. Um, it still blows my mind. Yeah. That's incredible. I kind of enjoy the contrast between you having these moments where you come to your wife and say, Hey, this is the prompting. This is what we're doing. And then her being like, okay, well, let me make that possible by winning this contest or X, Y, Z. You know, it's the kind of teamwork aspect of that is fascinating too. That's awesome. So I'm curious, um, Ed, you know, there are some people I know, dentists, doctors, and other like high achieving business people, um, and they have their life kind of like lined up goals, plans. This is what I'm going to be doing at this point. This is what I want to accomplish by this age, X, Y, Z. And just hearing that story makes me sound like, well, I kind of imagined that you're a little bit more spontaneous, like, Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm okay with it. And then boom, you kind of get a shift. The Lord tells you to change things up and, and you kind of go with that. Is that, are you kind of just like go with the flow? Like the Lord like tells you to, do something and you just uproot and change. Um, that that's what I try to do. Uh, I, I I won't say that I'm uh, obviously not perfect at that. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think I'm just as hard-hearted uh, most of the time as, as anybody else. Um, uh, in 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 listening to to promptings. Um, and you know, I think, I think heavenly father talks to each of us in, in different ways. Um, and, uh, one thing that I've tried to do that I learned from Joanna is to leave open time, uh, to, to leave time, um, where, uh, you know, if Mark Gustafson calls me from the welfare farm and says, Hey, we need people to help with the welfare farm that I have time to do that. Or, uh, you know, if, if our elders corner president calls and says, Hey, I need whatever that, that I have time, um, available to do that. Uh, and it's, um, it's just something that I've learned from her trying to, trying to, uh, have that, available bandwidth to give to the Lord. And, and you're a, 
you're a man of incredible ability, uh, to be honest, being able to, you know, go to dental school, work in Salt Lake. I think you said five or six years you were out there and it didn't sound like you were doing great. And then to just change course, move to Oregon, have all that stuff happen to get here. And then how long were you been practicing in Oregon before you just kind of uprooted and sold your practice and started doing business stuff? That's a 12 years. Yeah. It's yeah. still, it's still quite some changes. And, and I'm so, curious, Ed, Oh, sorry. It sounds like you're still looking to see what this latest prompting about business school is really meant for. Is that true? Or are you still kind of looking forward right. to I'm, seeing? I'm, I'm very much in the fog bank, just kind of taking one step uh, forward and uh, hoping things clear a little bit and then taking another step forward. No real uh, master plan direction type of thing. But I think it's neat that you've been able to put yourself in a position like temporarily to be able to live like that so that the Lord could work with you in that way. So that's exciting, even though it's probably unnerving a little bit too. Um, so I know you to be, and I think we've seen it here, very spiritual, in tune, trying to be aware and to follow. How do you feel like your devotion to your your physical health contributes to that if it does do you see an intersection there um that is a good question um and, and one that I've, I've observed maybe in other people I'm, I'm a generally happy person um but that has not always been the case uh the years that we lived in uh, salt lake um, were extremely difficult years for me. Um, and I was not a happy or nice person. Um, I, I think I was generally negative, generally angry. Um, and I remember, so I, I got out of dental school and we went to Utah and there was nothing there. I just started working for some clinic. Uh, I was, it was a terrible job. I was only there for eight months and then I quit. And then I got another job working uh, for a guy out by Magna and uh, worked there for two months and then had an opportunity to buy an office um, and then bought that office. Uh, and a couple of months after buying it, realized that it had been misrepresented and uh, so struggled in that for two years. Um, and at the end of that two years, that's when, you know, we had all the bankruptcy papers filled out and, uh, I went to the bank that held the loan for it and, and explained the situation to them and said, you know, I, I can help you sell this and you can take a loss on it. Like I have, um, or we can file bankruptcy and, and then you're stuck with the whole thing. And, um, thankfully they were willing to work, uh, with me. And so, uh, so I got out of, of that and then, um, got a job in Phoenix, uh, for a corporation and worked there for a couple of weeks. And they had an opening open up in, uh, Taylorsville, uh, Taylorsville, Utah. 
And so I had moved to Phoenix and was living uh, on my brother-in-law's floor uh, for three weeks while my family uh, was still in Utah. And, uh, and then I came back up uh, when that opportunity opened up. Um, and so, so I was just angry. Uh, and I don't think that I was in a good uh, mental space to be able to feel the influence of the Holy Ghost. Um, but when I came back up after those couple of weeks in, in Phoenix, um, I kind of realized uh, where I was at and that I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I spent the next six months just reading books on happiness um, uh, and positive thinking and optimism. And, uh, and that kind of began a process of change for me. And uh, about a year and a half after that was when we moved up to, to Oregon. But I moved up to Oregon by myself uh, first. Um, because uh, our girls were in school and we had to sell our house or or we had a townhouse. So I lived up here for nine months by myself. Um, And so I, I grew up a formula member of the church. You know, my parents were members. I was baptized at eight, priesthood at 12, mission at 19, uh, you know, married in the temple, you know, checking all these boxes. Um, but I don't think that I really began to become a converted disciple of the Savior um, until around age 35, which is when I moved up to Oregon by myself. And and for those nine months, I just, I would come home from work and uh, two nights a week, I go to the temple and the other nights I would spend time making uh, crossword puzzles uh, for my girls um, based on stories in the scriptures uh, that I would send to them and, and studying scripture. And I just like my heart started to change in a way that it hadn't changed before. Um, and so I think not when, when you say physical health, a lot of people will think, uh, lean, trim, fit looking people. Um, but I think that's kind of a misunderstanding of what physical health is because, um, there are people that don't look like that but that are physically healthy, you know, they can hike 10 miles. Um, they can, uh, do all kinds of different physical activity. Uh, so to your question, long way of getting there, I do think it is good to feel well physically, um, to be able to feel the influence of the Holy ghost. But I don't think that that's necessarily a prerequisite because there are a lot of people who are, uh, physically disabled in a variety of ways, whether that's a a true physical disability, like they can't walk, um, or if it's, uh, you know, a self-imposed physical disability, like they work two jobs and have five kids and they're a single parent and they're just so tired all the time. Um, and, And those individuals, 
still have the capacity to be able to feel and, and recognize the Holy Ghost in their lives. Um, so I think feeling well physically is important, but I think that um, it's not a prerequisite. It, it, it's more important to, to just kind of learn how the Holy Ghost communicates with you. You know, Ed, you bring up a, a good point, and I'm I'm kind of curious because you said there was a big period in your life you weren't exercising, you were doing prof- professional mountain bike racing well, I, for a little I've, while. I've, I've, I've always been physically active, and and that's my point is that you know even though you're physically active during those, I'm assuming most of this time while you were doing dental school and even when you were having the tough time after dental school and some of those um, practices that you were quitting and moving around, you were still physically active, but there was still something else that was kind of holding you back from filling the spirit, right? It's not like just being physically healthy is going to get you to fill the spirit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I'm curious, you know, you, you kind of talk about you were alone in Oregon for nine months reading some of these books. And I'm assuming just knowing you, you were probably reading scriptures and other things like that. What do you feel was kind of the breaking point, like where you kind of figured things out? Because since I've known you, you're just like happy, positive, waking up at 3 a.m., like out doing stuff all the time um, and all that. What, what kind of like switched? What changed? Um, I, I think it was that realization that I had back in like 2006 that, that I was not a, a nice person to be around. Uh, and, you know, I just spent that six months just studying, you know, reading everything I could get on happiness. And, and that began a slow kind of incremental process of change. Um, that uh, I think there's a scripture somewhere that says, I will lead you along. And uh, I, I think the Lord does that, you know, when, when we're ready to learn, um, he will lead us along from experience to experience. Uh, and, and our hearts will change as, as we, you know, there's a scripture in Mosiah chapter three, verse 19. That's always kind of an uncomfortable scripture to read. It talks about being willing to submit to everything the father doth inflict upon us. Um, and I, I, I've always thought that word inflict is, uh, you know, a funny word to use. Uh, but in, in a lot of ways, the learning experiences that we go through are not easy experiences. Um, they very much feel like they are inflicted upon us, <laughs> but on the backside of those, we, we come out better and stronger. So looking at that, Ed, do you think you would have been the same person you are now without having gone through like some of those trials that like almost bankruptcy, getting that practice and things, did that actually help you to get to the point where you are now? I, I think so. Uh, you know, I think each of us is a composite of the experiences that we have. Um, and I think each of us chooses in a way how those experiences will shape us. Um, you know, we hear about people being offended by someone or something else, but really no one can offend anyone else. That, that's a decision that we make personally. 
and so each experience that comes to us, we can decide how am I going to respond to this experience? Um, and, and sometimes we allow experiences to make us angry uh, and um, n- uh, not nice people to be around. Um, and I had allowed that to happen to me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that at a certain point I recognized it and was able to um, change. And, and I'm curious, Ed, a lot of times when I'm frustrated, angry, or I just feel like, man, it's not a good day, something's not going right, I will go for a run, I will go on a long bike ride, I'll do something physical that to me kind of helps me mentally get into a better place. Um, but from what, what I'm hearing you, even though you were doing physical activities, uh, in that kind of dark, dark time in your life, um, it wasn't necessarily those physical activities that brought you like leveled you out or evened you out. If you want to call it that you had to find something like change your heart before you could really get to that point. You know, I would, I would say those physical activities at that period were more um, a, w- a way to release anger. Um, so rather than, uh, you know, releasing it uh, at uh, family members or uh, patients or, you know, who, people, um, I would go take it out on the dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and... But- um, Yeah, that that was just kind of how I dealt with it. Which in and of itself is profound. And in our, you know, at different interviews, I think we've talked about kind of that release, but it's also profound to consider, okay, if I need to have a physical outlet every day to release these negative emotions, would it be more powerful to go deeper and to address you know, not permanently and completely, but if I'm an angry person, maybe I can go deeper and address the anger. And maybe that's even more powerful than having, you know, a physical outlet that, that relieves it, but I actually conquer whatever it is that's making me feel that in the first place. I think that's, I think that's pretty neat. Ed, I have to mention just two things. One, Knowing you, you know, the story on the surface is successful dentist, sells his practice. Now he can do whatever he really feels like. Was a great bishop. I mean, you just, from the outside, it's just like, here's a guy that just had it all figured out and everything fell into place. And it's just so powerful to hear your story as just a reminder for everybody that like, like President Uchtdorf quoted Steve Jobs, that the dots connect in hindsight as you see the Lord like working throughout your life, and that uh, it's it's a challenge for everybody, no matter how picturesque it might look at any given point to outsiders. And it's interesting just the way you've been talking about your experience. I've been doing a really in-depth study of second Nephi two. And you're, you're really talking about the same stuff that Lehi talks about there. Uh, in second Nephi two 15, it, it says that to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man to, to initiate his plan for humans, uh, 
um, after the creation, he puts the two trees in the garden in opposition to each other, according to verse 16, so that Adam and Eve have a meaningful choice to make for the, for the first time in their existence, they have a meaningful choice and then therefore learn by experience. So just what your, your point about opposition and its importance in our growth is that we have agency thanks to opposition. Our agency has value because we have these meaningful choices to make. And then Heavenly Father's plan is that we learn through experience by making choices, some positive and some negative, some right and some wrong. I just think that's really profound how you've illustrated that you know, in your own life. Thanks. I, 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 I feel like a bystander <laughs> just kind of moving along through life. Uh, you know, I have, to, I have to say too, Ed, that there's something in a person that, that, that a person has to have to, to come out of that experience or come out of these experiences um, the way you are, because I always think of like Nephi and Laman and Lemuel who went through, I mean, they had the same dad, they went through the same experiences. Uh, They both had a tough time walking through the desert and get to the promised land. But Nephi came out a spiritual giant and Laman and Lemuel came out as Laman and Lemuel, you know, and uh, what is it inside of a person? What, I mean, it's the Lord who gives us the new heart, right? He, he can He can change us. He can take that heart of stone and and give us a heart of flesh. But at some point, we have to open our heart to the Lord to allow Him to make those changes. And it's honestly, it's not like going to be out um, just getting your anger out on the bike. At some point, you do have to have uh, a strong base, and then you know everything is going to center itself around Christ and bring you back to Him. And I think it's a a great example that you, you bring to that. I, I am curious though, because the, the other thing that I picked up on when you were, when you were talking was about time, which to me, when I think of Ed war, I think of a weekend warrior. And honestly, I think of like a pre-dawn guy, like just for everybody else's information, whenever we go like backcountry skiing or running or biking, we're always like going at like, 5:30 or 6 a.m. and we're like, oh, we're gonna be the first ones out there. We get up there and Ed's like, oh, I've done a couple of laps. The best spot is over here, and and you should go over there. And you're always the first one up and the first one back home, which you kind of mentioned was to get home to your family. But what? I'm just curious. What did you have? You always been that way? Did experience help you realize like, hey, I've got to really spend time with my family, be with them, um, even though I want to do these other things. So, so that probably developed when I was racing. Um, so the Intermountain Bike Cup races, you know, all up and down the Wasatch Front, uh, Solitude, St. George, uh, up in Logan. And, and the idea is they generally don't start the races going until around 10 a.m. And, and then you've got, you know, the, the expert class that races, the uh, sport class that races, the pro class that races, the beginner class. So you've got all these different races going on and um and then by the time things kind of finishing or wrapping up you know it's you know maybe one or two p.m and you know i've i've ridden maybe 15 or 20 miles i I think the longest uh 
uh, expert level uh, race was a 33 mile uh, race out of five mile pass. But it, it, I mean, it took the entire day and I just started thinking, man, I'm just missing all this time with my kids. And if I just got up early and rode by myself, I could ride twice as far uh, and have just as much fun and then be home, you know, by the time my kids are getting up out of bed and watching cartoons. And it just kind of, I, I just had this mental shift. And so, yeah, I, I started getting up. Uh, I remember one uh, one day we got up at uh, we went to bed at nine p.m. and we got up at eleven p.m. and uh, we rode uh, we rode all night long uh, into the morning and got home at about uh, noon uh, on on Saturday. Um, that that was uh, that was the longest one that we did. But just we just started going out. Uh, I, you know, usually I would get someone to go, but sometimes I remember riding up Mill Creek Canyon. Uh, yeah, it was, it was Mill Creek Canyon. I was I was riding up uh, the um, Big Water Trail uh, toward Dog Lake, and then on up to uh, the the Wasatch Crest Trail. And there's one particular turn. It's, it's a really tight, almost 180 turn. And I remember just banking around that at about 2 a.m. and almost crashing into a runner coming down. And, uh, I mean, he just started yelling at me, and he scared the daylights out of me. And he was upset that I was going so fast. And, uh, and he, it was just funny. And uh, then I started seeing other runners, and so I stopped, and I, I asked one, and there was a um, – a midnight 50k going on at Canyon to Canyon 50k. Whoops! <laughs> like, what are you guys so, doing out here? But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. But but it was interesting because I, I realized when when I moved up here, Oregon's great, but it it does not hold a candle to the Wasatch. I mean, the Wasatch are absolutely incredible there there are so many places to go and so many trails and it's so easy to get into just crazy beautiful alpine places and i remember coming up here and kind of losing my motivation and realizing that uh i really uh didn't have that much discipline i was really just in it for the fun And, uh, but, you know, I kind of evolved and, uh, you know, as I started serving, um, in a bishopric, you know, time was just at a premium. And, uh, so I, I went back to the early morning, uh, routine and, uh, I just find that, uh, it works well for me personally. So, okay. I've got two questions. One is practical. So not only do you get out early, but one of the things I've noticed is that you'll just randomly do what in my mind is like huge stuff. Like, oh, I I went and did this loop. It was 25 miles. And it's just like, wait, like you, you just did a trail marathon, like out of the blue. And I just don't know well enough what. So first question is like, what's your day to day like 
um, just kind of routine wise physically. And did you, did you have to back that off a lot when you were Bishop or were you able to, to maintain it? Okay. During that time. Um, so this is kind of a terrible question. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I, I am blessed with physical capacity. Um, so currently I'm running maybe on a good week, I'll get three runs in that are maybe four or five miles long. Um, I'm usually getting in one or two runs, uh, that are about that long as a Bishop. Uh, I usually got one run a week or one ride a week in. Uh, that was my, I, I think I averaged about one and a half physical activity events a week uh, during the five years that I was serving uh, as a bishop. There were kind of uh, some different times when I, I put more emphasis on it, but, but far and wide, um, I didn't get out as often. So what you're saying is, I could do a little bit here and there and then I could just go out and do something huge. I just, just, I mean, that's, that's what you're saying, right? Is you you just have it in you, your legs have it, your lungs have it. I'm, I'm paying for it more now than I, than I used to. (laughs) I, I think there's something to that though, Ed. Like I think once you get to a certain, you attain a certain level of fitness, it's a lot easier to maintain that fitness, you know, with, with some stuff here and there, like a couple miles, a few runs a week, than it is to be completely out of shape and then try to get back into shape. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot more work to do that. So maintaining I, things. Is a little I easier. agree with that. I, I think that there's a mental component to it as well. Um, where, you know, I, I think we have these barriers that we kind of uh, get into like, wow, I could, I could never do that. But so for, for me, a barrier was, you know, I, I didn't run for 23 years. Uh, and then, you know, I, I started running and I was running maybe, um, three, four miles, uh, at a time, a couple of times a week. And, uh, my wife and I, uh, do dates where, I'll go for a run or a ride while she reads and then we'll go out to eat afterwards. And and that works for us. Uh, And I remember one night we went over uh, to Jacksonville. I don't know if you guys ever go to forest park and uh, I rode, uh, I rode hard for an hour and a half uh, and was just physically beat. And uh, we, you know, we, we went and had dinner and came home and, and then I got a text from a friend uh, and she said, Hey, we're going up to lost Creek Lake tomorrow. Uh, you want to come with us? We're going to run around the lake, which is 18 miles, a 30 K. And uh, I thought, I want to do that, but I don't think I can do that. But, but I really want to do that. And uh, so, so I told him, yeah, and I went and, and it was hard and I was slow, but, but I ran 18 miles and, and I had never run just a solid 18 miles like that. 
And, uh, and that was in the spring of 2015, like April. And then, uh, in September, I flew out to Salt Lake and paced my brother for the last 25 miles of the Wasatch 100. And those, those two things really kind of shifted my thinking and, and just kind of opened up this whole new world of, yeah, I can, I can go farther than I thought that I could. And so I ran the Lithia Loop Marathon that November, um, which uh, probably isn't the easiest marathon to start off on. I don't know if you guys have run that. Uh, it starts out with eight miles of uphill. Uh, I think you climb about 3,000 feet. Um, and then it kind of goes along up and down for the next does it go uh, around that that road that yeah, road the, or whatever road the 2060 yeah, uh, yeah. and then yeah. it drops down again and and i ran that and i mean that was just the coolest thing ever for me that was such an accomplishment uh and so uh the following spring i ran the lost creek 50k and uh i was just super excited about being able to run that far and uh and then i that that was uh, the lost creek 50k was the last run i did that was in 2016 and then i just i just i'll just think of probably my my, yeah well uh yeah probably my favorite my favorite run uh that i've done was um so i sold i sold the office and worked for another six weeks full-time as kind of phased patients over to James. And then, uh, and then it was just like, I was just hanging out, you know, I was working a couple of days a month here and there. And just my wife was fantastic. She just let me run to my heart's content and I'd get up and take the kids to school and come home and run. And, uh, that fall I ran, uh, my brother and nephew and I ran rim to rim to rim at the grand Canyon. And then the following summer in, uh, in 2020, um, or no, it was in 2019. Uh, I ran, uh, Mount Whitney from Whitney portal up to the summit and back. Um, and that was just, that was just, completely cool that's probably my favorite coolest run i've ever done it's beautiful whitney's amazing but i think two things you brought up to me ed that were important is number one uh, friends can get you out doing stuff and i think that's true both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense so i've found a lot of times if i'm lagging uh, spiritually that that a good friend can really pull you back in and and help you out and number two it, it, it is a mental game right and uh physically you can push yourself farther than you would imagine. Um, and I think too, uh, a lot of what we've been talking about over this last little while has been kind of a, a mentality that you have to maintain, not only in a positive, like attitude about working out and taking the time to do it that you have, but also about being right, you know, in your heart, um, to, to have that, that like kind of, uh, spiritual and mental health, um, to stay centered on things. So, um, to me, Ed, you are, you are a, I'm going to call you a pre-dawn warrior. I don't know what to say, but you're <laughs> out there, you're doing stuff and you're such a good example of 
you know, sometimes I uh, probably let my physical activities interfere a little bit too much with my family. So I think that's one thing I'm going to take home tonight and try to uh, spend a little more time, you know, maybe earlier in the morning or something and spend more time at home. So thanks for the lessons. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. You bet. I felt that too. I love the point about, you know, pushing past mental barriers. I'm not sure how completely it gets you as far and big as you've gone. I think there's room for some more than just pushing mental barriers, but I definitely do can attest to that as well. Um, particularly with endurance stuff, it's like, well, how much are you willing to suffer? And also how slow are you willing to go? Frankly, right? Cause you can pretty much take another step forever. I don't know what it would take to get to where you actually cannot take another step. Um, I guess it's obviously it's possible, but, but it's remarkable if you tested it out, I'm going to see how many steps I can take before I literally can't, you could probably go quite far. And most of that is about your willingness to suffer. And somewhere in there is also the craziness that's involved in people who are willing to suffer. I was skiing McLaughlin, which is a local volcano. That's a decent climb and, and pretty big miles, uh, just the other day. And we acknowledged that, that you don't do this. If you're not a little bit crazy, you don't go, that sounds like fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and climb up that thing and ski down it and walk back out. And it's going to be 14 miles round trip and about 5,000 feet of climbing. And it's going to be mostly pain. And there's going to be about two minutes that are really, really fun um, without being a little bit crazy. So, um, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what that means about some of us, but, but it's a, uh, it's a cool thing. And of course there's a satisfaction involved there. That's really, really significant. Um, which is a part of why I am willing to try to do that stuff. But yeah, I'm with Ryan. You, you inspire me, uh, to be a more dedicated disciple, to be more, um, aware and careful at home and yet to feel like I can also pursue powerful goals in a career and in, and in my, you know, physical pursuits and hobbies and stuff. So good job, Ed. Thanks. I, I, I will, I will say, um, you know, if, if you look in the scriptures, mountains are holy places. Uh, oftentimes that's where people go, uh, to commune with heaven. And, um, for, for me personally, you know, I, I've found that to be true, um, to the point that, uh, in, in, on, on several places where I go, I have, uh, I have specific places where even if I don't have something pressing on my mind, some issue, I will stop in that place and kneel and pray. Um, because it's important to me to acknowledge my gratitude uh, for so many different things. 
Um, and it, and it's important for me to have that sacred place and, and we can find sacred places, you know, wherever we go. Um, but for me personally, that that's been part of my enjoyment about being in mountains is, is to make them holy places for myself and, and places where I can, um, receive direction. So uh, one of my favorite scriptures is in Mosiah 18. Um, and this is um, after uh, the baptisms happened at the waters of Mormon. And um, they, uh, they're, they're going back. And, and I think this is, shoot, if I remember, this is, Mar- I think this is Moroni making an observation, or it could be Alma. Let's wait. Okay, we're going to say it was Alma who was talking. And if I'm wrong, Brigham or somebody can correct me. But he, um, in verse 20, in verse 30, sorry, it says, It came to pass that all this was done in Mormon, yea, by the waters of Mormon, in the forest that was near the waters of Mormon. Yea, the place of Mormon, the waters of Mormon, the forest of Mormon. How beautiful are they to the eyes of them that there came to the knowledge of their Redeemer. Yea, and how blessed are they, for they shall sing to his praise forever. But I love that scripture because there are certain experiences that I've had and not necessarily just, just in the, in the church or in the temple, but sometimes you have a sacred experience, some, some place, right. And that place becomes like the waters of Mormon to me, where when I visit it again, I remember that spiritual experience and I have that feeling that, Hey, you know, God has blessed me and, and that that place is now sacred to me. And I, I've experienced that in my mission in Portland and a few other places that I every time I visit, I just that that recollection and that 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 special spirit is there. And so I think it's it's so nice to have some of those physical places that are spiritual, like rocks or reminders, anchors um, in my life to, to kind of go back and visit. So I appreciate that thought very much. I've had a similar similar experiences. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, likewise. I've had multiple occasions upon reaching a mountaintop where I I would almost say that I'm compelled to pray. Like you have to kneel down and, and talk to God. Um, that's a powerful, powerful thing. So definitely something to it. We could probably talk about that all night. Yeah. But we won't. Because we know you're probably getting up at four in the morning to go do something. So we'll let you, we'll let you get to bed. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time, Ed. And, and we appreciate, you know, uh, working around your busy schedule too, because we know it, it does take some time out of your, your life. And uh, thank your wife for us too. No, I, I appreciate you guys. You guys are fun to be out there with. Oh, likewise. Thanks for, for showing us around. Ed, is there anything you'd like to say in closing, you actually do have a bit of an audience and, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, however average you feel like you are, um, we get feedback from people that are moved and motivated by what they hear from people. So no pressure, but is there anything that you, you want to conclude with in terms of just, uh, any, any closing testimony or, or encouragement. Sure. So um, you're familiar with the oath and the covenant of the priesthood. 
uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 84, uh, verses 33 through 44. And um, that, for me, has been a very impactful passage of Scripture. And we're all familiar with verse 33 that kind of lays out the, the criteria, you know, for whoso is faithful unto the obtaining of these two priesthoods and the magnifying their calling. And, and we always kind of recognize, you know, that's that's my part. Uh, that's what I need to do. And then we hear the promise of the renewal of our body through the sanctification of the Holy Ghost. And that's something that the Lord does for us. Um, and I think that this uh, applies to, to women as well as men, the, 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 the gift of uh, renewal of our bodies through sanctification of the Holy Ghost. Um, but the impactful part for me of this passage of Scripture has been in verse 44, um, where the Lord gives another requirement uh, it says, for you shall, you shall live by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God, um, that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. And um, I remember I would, I would talk with our, our young men and, and I would ask them, each general conference, what, what did the prophet say? What did the prophet teach? Um, and, you know, this, this general conference, one of the things that uh, the prophet taught was faith. And one of the things that really stood out to me was he said, if, if you want more faith, think of something that requires faith and then do it. And you will receive more faith as you do it. And I just, I love that idea of living by the words that proceed forth from the mouth of God through his prophet. And the richness that comes into our lives as a consequence of following prophetic counsel. Um, so that, that would be the thought that I would leave. Um, take time. You know, pe people tell me that I have a, a memory for, for general conference talks. Um, and I, and I, am i think that's one of my spiritual gifts that i can remember general conference talks but i also spend a lot of time reading them and and and, and trying to make sure that for me personally i know what god has said to me and so i can do the things that he needs me to do Once again, that was Ed War from right here in Medford, Oregon. Huge thanks again, Ed, for your time, for your insights. Thanks to everybody for listening. If you want to help us out, uh, shoot us an email, ascendtogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you've got somebody you think that we ought to talk to. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time.